organizations, and I hear, I'm sorry if I'm going on a tangent, but succession planning, right? But when they think succession planning, they think about management. They think about administration. They don't think about their CNAs, their LPNs, and their RNs. How are they developing career pathways for those individuals and for those people who who really need it and want it, right? It's, you know, and, and it's surprising that it's so because nurses make up the largest segment of the healthcare population, yet they've gone relatively ignored when it comes to career progression and organizations supporting that career progression. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to another live recording of the Nursing Home Podcast, the podcast that brings to you the information that is most relevant to understanding the inner workings of a nursing home. Whether you are working in a nursing home, you have a loved one in a nursing home, you're in one, or you're just curious about what actually goes on, this is the place for you. Today, we are going to be discussing a very interesting topic, a topic which has been highlighted, unfortunately, through the COVID-19 pandemic, and we're going to be discussing staffing and the challenges related to staffing. And for that, I'm really excited to introduce to you Pritma Chada, who is the leader of healthcare innovation at Aploy, a company that assists nursing homes with their unique tool to bring on the staff that is necessary. So Pritma, welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast. Thank you, Shmuel. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes, so am I, and I appreciate you taking some time from your schedule to be on the podcast. Now, just before we jump right into the subject that we want to discuss today, let us start with just understanding a little bit more of who you are professionally and how you ended up working with Employ, the short version, the cliff notes, so that our listeners understand who we're speaking with today. Yeah, for sure. I'm a registered nurse, first and foremost. I've been nursing for 18 years. Before I became a nurse, I was actually a CNA and worked at a nursing home for three years. So I've been in the healthcare industry for quite some time, and my career has afforded me a lot of diversity. I've worked at the bedside, I've worked in leadership, I've worked in IT, in occupational health, and most recently, I'm the VP of Healthcare Innovation at Aploy, which is a platform through which healthcare hires. So I'm excited to be here today and talk about turnover and burnout within the nursing profession, which is really near and dear to my heart. So I just have to say, I think I told you this offline, but I I always love specifically in the nursing home industry, which I'm familiar with, when someone works their way up from a CNA and knows the business really from the bottom up. And, you know, for some people, they stay there. Some people move up LPN, RN or whatever it is, but someone like yourself who has grown to the level that you're at. So you've seen and lived and breathed nursing shortages in your lifetime. Are there any particular incidents, we're throwing this at you, we didn't discuss this, <laughs> any particular incidents that you recall of an extreme shortage or maybe even a negative outcome from an extreme shortage, obviously without saying names and places and times, that just has made 
made the feeling so acute and so painful. And maybe subconsciously, that's why you're doing what you're doing today. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely lived through it. There's been um, times in my career where I've I frequently worked 12 hour shifts. So I'd work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then I'd end up adding four to eight hours on at the end of that shift because there wasn't any backfill and, and we were short. And so, you know, I don't want to mention any specifics, but definitely there are some patient safety implications uh, with regards to that, right? Things fall through the cracks, meds go missed and patients go unturned sometimes because we are so short. And so those are things that we have to live with when we're forced to make those decisions and forced to work long hours. So definitely the consequences are there as a result of shortages. And we all need to put our heads together, I think, to figure out solutions and cost-effective solutions to this massive problem that's only gotten large in the wake of the pandemic. Yeah, it certainly has. And also, I know just from my administrator days, you know, walking the units, you know, when it's towards the end of a shift, especially like a three to 11 shift and they're halfway through the shift and the management team is leaving and they're concerned that the 11 to seven nurse or eight is not going to show up and they're going to be there overnight or they have something scheduled for the evening. They forgot that working in a nursing home, you can't have a schedule. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be that way. And they're like, well, this person is on the shift and she never shows up on time or she never shows up at all. And I can't stay a double and I, I or I'm working in another nursing home, you know, and they have coverage there. Well, well, you're here first, but that just creates the entire shift. They have that fear and therefore, you know, and of course it, it affects everything. So let, let, let's well, you bring up a good point in terms of the nurse working at another facility as well, right? Nurses have always worked at multiple facilities and we have to ask ourselves why. Why is that? And that's potentially part of the problem, right? Nurses have been left for the most part to their own devices to chart their own career path. And we really need to start asking ourselves as operators, as owners, as leaders as to why that is and how do we improve that so that nurses stay with us. I absolutely love what you just said. And I I don't remember who I was just speaking with, I think on the podcast about this, is that the nurses, CNAs have to chart their own career path. That That is huge. It means that they, they feel, of course, we have an HR position. Usually all that means is it's usually the business office manager who has to do check the licenses and just make sure that when DPH comes in, we don't get dinged for a, an avoidable tag because someone's there was a lapse in someone's license or someone's you know CNA was expired. But real taking ownership and caring for your employees and helping them say, okay, you're here. What's your goal in life professionally? Where do you want to go? How can we yeah. help you get there? Even if it means leaving, you will have that person will be so much more interested in what's best for the facility because it's a reciprocal relationship. It's not a one-way relationship. I like that. I like that. Even, when if, even if it means leaving, how do I develop you and grow you? So you do want to leave, but in a way that gives you lab, vertical growth, not just lateral growth, right? If I can't give you vertical growth, where can you seek it out, right? And so, you know, we organizations, and I, I'm sorry if I'm going on a tangent, but succession planning, right? But when they think succession planning, they think about management, they think about administration, they don't think about their CNAs, their LPNs, and their RNs. How are they developing career pathways for those individuals and for those people who, who really need it and want it, right? It's, you know, and, and it's surprising that it's so because nurses make up the largest segment of the healthcare population, yet 
they've gone relatively ignored when it comes to career progression and organizations supporting that career progression, which is why we see nurses working at multiple jobs, working in multiple facilities, because they can't find their home. They can't find where they are the best fit and where they really value and feel rewarded as a person contributing to the success of the organization and their patients, right? So, I mean, this is true. Some of it can't be avoided. In other words, you could be the best nursing home operator, the best you know, administrator, and you can't afford to pay double what they're making now. And many nurses are single parents putting themselves or sometimes their children through school at the same time as taking full financial responsibility sometimes for their own families. And sometimes it's not practical and it's it's not possible to fill the entire financial need of their nursing staff. And that's understandable. And maybe that's not something which a nursing home can solve immediately. But can a nurse, and I'll say CNA as well, really it should apply to anyone in any company, but specifically mm-hmm. here, Many times they're pushing themselves through nursing school at a point in their life when it was already a struggle. And they're going through nursing school full-time while working full-time, many times. And there isn't a clear path. Okay, how am I paying off whatever debt I have for pushing myself through school, A? And B, what's the smartest way to do that? You know, They may not need a second job if you can help them with some programs with their students. I take the full picture, the full professional picture in mind, we may be able to come up with some innovative ways of really working with the entire person. Right now, it's almost transactional. We need a shift. You need money. Here's a shift. Here's money. Here's a shift. Here's money. It's almost like an agency, except that they're working in-house. The facility is resentful because they're paying benefits on top of the salary, and it's hurting their bottom line. It's the number one biggest expense. And the nurses and the aides feel like they don't care about me. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's true. They care about them to the extent that they need them to fill the shifts, which is the product. That is what nursing homes sell. So really addressing this, I I just love what you said about charting a career path. If it would actually take the time to do that, if a nurse knows that you're going to help them, if they want to become an RN, they want to become an MDS nurse, they want to go to a hospital, they want to open up their own company, whatever it is, you're actually there to provide that support for them. A, they may stay longer than being an unhappy employee. And if they move on, they're going to be happy to move on. And they'll always be referring staff to you. They'll always be referring residents to you because you're a facility that really cares. And that could be a whole new separate conversation. I really love the way that you just, you just said that. Oh, a couple of, a couple of things I was going to say, when I talk about nurses, I talk about the entire nursing family. That means to me, CNAs, LPNs, RNs, it's the entire nursing family. And so when I speak to nurses in this podcast, that's what I mean. But times have changed, especially with the coronavirus, right? Like nurses are no longer looking for the highest bidder. Nurses have offers coming at them left, right and center, and they're tired. They're exhausted. They're burnt out. They're not necessarily looking for the highest bidder. They're looking to be heard. They're looking to be valued. And that doesn't mean with coffee and donuts and pizza parties, that means, you know, how is this organization taking care of their nurses, taking care of their people? And I agree with you. Nursing homes don't have the ability to compete with, you know, salaries and other things, but what can they do? And I think there's a lot of things that can be done with regards to career growth and continuing education and mental health and well-being. I think there's a lot there that can be focused on. And, and it's the time is ripe, I think, for a bit of this kind of rebranding, not only just as a facility in general, but then as a facility that wants to attract and retain really bright nurses for the future and keep them for the long run. And I love your 
point about training programs. How do you create career movement, either laterally or vertically, by way of moving? How does someone in dietary or environmental services move into a CNA role? How does a CNA move into an LPN role? How does an LPN move into an RN role or a management type role? And also, how do you create leadership opportunities without actually career change or growth, right? So how do you engage your people in committee work, in policy work, in other really important work that's going on in your organization where they feel valued and they feel like they're taking a leadership role because you don't necessarily need the title to be a leader and to contribute. And I think that's what's missing right now for nurses is they feel it's very transactional. Like you said, you go to work, you do your shift, you go home, right? There's no feeling, there's no emotion about it, about, you know, genuinely nurses care about their patients, but they also care about the people that they work with and the organization they work for. And if there's no connection there and engagement, I think that's a real, for both parties. Yeah, very, very well said. And I think something else to consider also is that most nurses, maybe LPNs, may not be able to have the same opportunities available to them as the RNs in the hospital setting, the Q-care setting, but they could get paid much, much more working in another setting. And many of the nurses have worked in other settings and they're choosing to work in the setting because they genuinely care and feel very deeply about the population that they serve. And understanding that and knowing that means that you have some really, really passionate people who are choosing to work in, it's really like the trenches, even pre-COVID, it's the trenches and working with, you know, limited resources many, many times, whether it's human resources or the basics that they need to do their job. And they're choosing to do this willingly. If we take the time to, I hate using the word heroes because it's so abused, but if we take the time to get to know these souls as people, No, ask the average administrator, and I'm guilty of this as well, partially. How well do you know the other talents that your nursing staff has, other than Mm. an LPN, an RN, a CNA, dietary aid? Do you know who's very good at writing, who's very musical, who's very good at, at other things? I don't just mean so that they can entertain the residents, but so that they can use their other talents in other areas in the building. And you pointed out very eloquently that what makes a nurse happy is not more pay. Obviously, more pay is appreciated. I've done this personally. I've gone through our payroll, did a payroll analysis in multiple buildings and you know, went to bat for my employees, changed the pay grades, and some people got dramatically increased paychecks. It made zero difference on the attitudes. The complaints were all the same. And, and now it was, why did I get this raise and that person got that raise? And I was here longer. And of course, we took everything into consideration. But at the end of the day, it solved no problems. They still got what they deserved. And I feel like we were underpaying them. Well, and it doesn't because that money doesn't buy them happiness in the workplace. They might go home and be able to buy an extra thing or two. But in the workplace, they're still coming back to the same workplace. And it hasn't changed their joy and their happiness there. And especially if they don't see any change, if there's issues in the workplace in terms of shortages and ratios Mm -hmm. and things like that, and that's not changing, that problem has not been solved with a few extra bucks. Right. The problem is that many times, like you said, the nursing family will express the problem in dollars and cents because that's what they feel that it is. And when that is solved, they realize that that's not really the problem. Everyone would would love to, it's not just getting paid for your time. People want to be able to work in an organization, in any organization that they genuinely feel that they 
are a they're appreciated and that they believe in whatever the mission is that the organization is offering and if it's just we want to provide care we don't know how to provide care we're not licensed we're not trained you guys are so you provide the care and we'll just pay you for it well then i'm going to be working 10 different jobs and the second the nursing home down the block offers me a dollar more what's the difference there's a time clock here there's a time clock there there's residents there there's residents here there's problems in both places we know that and you know when you guys wake up and say you pay a dollar more than that place or if the if my rate drops down, which unfortunately that happens sometimes, you know, a dollar more for six months and then we go back. So then we'll come running back. Makes a difference. They have better parking. It comes down to like the, the smallest things. And it's almost like an accepted norm not to be happy with the organization and kind of work around them and develop a relationship with each other sometimes or a relationship with the residents. And that goes very, very deep in order to find an expression for this deep human need to feel part of an organization. And you just mentioned earlier that this doesn't have to break the bank at all, or certainly not in a major way. We're talking about sitting down with them and having a career conversation, not just with your marketing team, not just with your management team, but with everybody, with, 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 your, with your aides, with your nurses, with your dietary staff. And there's so many times, oh, we need a new activity director. What should we do? Putting ads on Facebook, and a ploy and everywhere else. And you're looking for, you know, you're looking for that perfect person. And you don't realize that your maintenance, your assistant maintenance director has actually done volunteer work in the activities department for six years and is really good at it and always finds things to fix in the area where the residents are having their activities and would love the opportunity to be trained into that role and would be a perfect fit. And there, yeah, and that person works. was right under their nose. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think those are the solutions I think that that really create loyalty and how do we adapt from, you know, these big corporations that we can't compete with, but what are the learnings that we can adapt and apply in a much more nimble way, right? So how do we learn about our staff? How do we do a survey, right? There's some tools like let's let's use SurveyMonkey and put together a quick employee engagement survey, right? There's the internet has a wealth of knowledge of tools and and or if you want to get a consultant in or something, but you can even do it yourself. You can make some homegrown surveys with regards to, you know, ask your employees, what is their why? Why are they here? What why do they continue to show up? What are they looking for? What do they feel could be improved in your organization? Because a lot of times what we think is the problem is not the problem, right? So how do we how do we elevate their voices and listen? Because I think listening is really important and key. And that that's it's also free. And we really need to be we we really need to start listening and be visionary. And nurses are feeling lost right now. And I think they'll gravitate towards companies that companies and organizations that they feel are organized and in touch with the current circumstances that we're all dealing with, right? And so I think one key thing for leaders is, you know, we need to start listening. And those leaders who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. I like that. I like that. And I mean, listening is not limit. In order to listen effectively, you have to be willing to take action. And if you're not willing Mm -hmm. to take action, listening, and now you heard all the problems, and then you do nothing about it, that that could be a big problem. But first, go ahead. Also not wanting to take action, but you know, yeah, okay, we might be opening up Pandora's box by listening. But also, we don't want to kibosh everything that we hear by saying that's too expensive, that's too expensive. I think that there's always a solution. There's always a nimble solution that fits our budget, right? So yeah, we can't hire a big consulting firm and get a data and analytics department to go do a survey or go do something. But you know, we could maybe do one in house. And 
you know, maybe we can do some sort of, you know, maybe we can't get an EAP program, employee assistance program to support the mental health and well-being of our staff. But what can we do in the interim, right? Like oftentimes the DONs have a lot of relationships. You know, where can we tap into our network through LinkedIn, through all the people that we've worked with in the past to see, hey, do we know a social worker or counselor who might be willing to come out to our site, you know, once a month and do a group therapy session with our staff? Because we know right now they're they're struggling, right? And and their mental health is at risk. And, you know, I've always found nurses to be the most resilient human beings. I don't think that the pandemic is going to be their end. I don't think that they're going to be broken by it. I think they're going to be resilient beyond it. And they're capable of it. They deal with trauma every single day. And they've dealt with trauma for years and decades. It's it's a matter of the community coming together, the support systems coming together. I think that's where we're failing is, you know, how do we protect these individuals and nurture their resiliency so that they can come back from this, right? And there's, I think, very economical ways to do that. Like I said, you know, we can reach out to our colleagues to say, hey, can we do some group therapy? There's a lot of free apps out there, actually. The American Nurses Association, if you Google American Nurses Association Mental Health Toolkit, they actually came out with a ton of resources specifically for nurses, CNAs, LPNs, RNs. There's free apps on there. There's a 24-hour app on there for 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 being able to talk in a safe space and be heard and be listened to by colleagues. And there's a lot of self-awareness kind of checklists and things like that. So lots of really great stuff there. And and just yeah, we just need to start thinking outside the box, I think, and not just automatically jumping to oh, we don't have the money or, oh, it's too expensive. And definitely there's many scenarios like that. What can we do? What are those small steps that we can achieve? Well, well, so first of all, I will definitely link up uh, to what you mentioned in the show notes with the nurse's toolkit, because that's definitely uh, something that's very valuable. And sometimes the resource could be right under your nose also, right? Sometimes your own mm-hmm. social worker could be the one Maybe that's a little too close to home. So you can have your social worker go to the nursing home down the block and their social worker come to your place as an outsider and and really just be a resource to listen to the challenges that they're dealing with. And like you said, the emotional trauma, a lot of things that they've seen, you know, thankfully right now, things have improved in a lot of facilities. You know, some Mm -hmm. facilities are opening up now visitation, some of them, you know, in different stages, some of them are open already completely. Hopefully they can remain that way. You know, it's 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 a uh, it's a tricky area because you know the residents also have were obviously impacted in in a very in an extreme way. You know, they've lost many of their friends that they've lived with for many many years. Some you know some of them. And but but the resources don't have to be like you said. It doesn't mean breaking the bank. I I think just the general notion here. I think what we're both getting at is solutions can be had. And let's stop thinking of we're a nursing home. We don't have money, right? We're much more limited than other healthcare settings. That's a separate conversation for another time as to why and how. But the bottom line is, I have strong opinions about that, but the bottom line is that this is where we are. And yes, we know we we don't have limitless resources, but let's stop equating solutions with spending. Where we nurses, like you said, nurses are from like the most resilient employees that we know. And they can be, the building could be on fire. And the, well, as the fire department is evacuating residents, they're still going to be passing their meds and doing what they need to do, you know, as is safe. Because, like you said, they are super resilient and nurses know how to find solutions. This is what they do, right? And, you know, the, 
the meds are not in and you know and they're supposed to be given in two hours and the pharmacies said they're not delivering and they'll figure it out someone's going to go to cvs and they're going to work it out or there's you know the emergency kit whatever they'll, they'll figure out solutions so we should use that resilience to solving these problems and call on them bring them into the meeting an example is i don't know if it's required in every state but for the quality improvement for the copy meetings we you bring a cna into the meetings why because you have all, all the you know the marketing department everyone's talking how you know all the solutions and the cna says no it had nothing to do with that you know the the break on the bed was broken and that's why the resident fell. It had nothing to do with whatever fancy system and software you want to bring in i know they have a certain simple they know what's going on what's going on you like you said you know about so much talent being right under our noses right nurses have actually been called the biggest problem solvers because we can problem solve anything we can jerry-rig anything whether it's a catheter whether it's a bed rail whether it's a big program right so i think one thing that facilities can do right away as well is when they're making these big decisions around the boardroom table, make sure that you have a CNA voice at the table. Make sure you have a nursing voice at the table. It doesn't need to be someone in a leadership capacity, but someone who shows motivation and inspiration and wants to have that voice say, hey, you know what? I'm having this meeting just about this topic. Why don't you come join me, right? I mean, there's a solution right there. And, you know, while you were talking, I was thinking I have little kids and, and we recently heard of, have you heard of the Yes Day? It's a movie, but it's also like this tactic in child rearing where for a day, you're just going to say yes, but you set some rules. Hey, it can't be, we can't travel outside of 10 kilometers. We can't spend more than a hundred dollars or whatever. Yep. Yeah. But otherwise you have to say yes. And so, you know, let's, let's hear the problems and we're going to try to say yes to as many as we can, so long as it meets these criteria. It's not more than, you know, x amount of dollars it's not you know and that would be a really interesting experiment interesting you lost me when i'm thinking about doing this at home i'm trying to think <laughs> of the ramifications of what that could look like and i have uh yeah a number as parents we say no all the time i mean that's my favorite word right yeah, that's also <laughs> saying yes to everything, but within rules and parameters. Okay, I'm going to have to think about that before we actually uh, apply that at home. But uh, even here, just bringing that aid into the CNA, even bringing that CNA saying, yes, come to this meeting, that itself is a huge step towards solving the problem because that mm -hmm. sends a very strong message. There's a certain antagonism, a certain friction, tension between like you guys sit there in the boardroom and you talk about who knows what. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with actually solving problems that we deal with. And you guys are just completely out of touch. There's a very strong notion and it's not completely true and it's not completely false. There are, there's a reason why managers are hired in management positions. They have skills, talents, resources, experiences, which make it appropriate for them to make those decisions. And many of them are people like yourself who have actually you know, been in the trenches and know exactly what's going on. But there is also, there is a disconnect because they're not doing it every day. By you inviting someone, well, go ahead. And the flip side to that is that the CNAs and the RNs and the LPNs that haven't taken up those management responsibilities are sheltered from that, right? So we know, you know, I've I've become a leader and I've been in the trenches and I've been there, but I've been there a long time ago. I wasn't there yesterday, right? And and you know, 
the individuals you know, on the front lines right now are sheltered from the boardrooms and don't know or see what exactly goes on. So it's a great opportunity for them to even, you know, to see how, how things happen and also for them to start exploring, to say, hmm, is this something that I want to get myself into in terms of a career path back to what we were talking about before? Yeah, I mean, it, it can... It can show them a little bit about what's going on as far as how decisions are actually made, but also show them that their voice matters. I'll just say one quick anecdote. I think I've shared this here in the past, but in my very first nursing home administrator job, I heard all the vibes from the residents that there were certain things, there were were a lot of things they were very upset about. So Mm -hmm. I called a meeting without asking ownership with all the family members. I said, let's put it all on the table. I said, I don't know. I'm new. I, I, for me, it was very easy. I know I don't, I'm not responsible for what happened in the past. I also don't know what happened in the past. I don't really know how to fix anything yet because I'm new to this role. But I want to know everything. Let's put everything out on the table and let's start fixing stuff. So to my surprise, like all the family members showed up. There were, I don't know, 60, 70 people mm-hmm. there by the meeting. Thank God I had my management team there also. It got a little bit feisty. One gentleman yeah. who almost got physical with me. That that guy actually ended up becoming one of my biggest uh, supporters when they saw that we actually started solving problems one at a time. We took notes on everything and followed up with every single person. And it took months and months, but we started one at a time solving the problems, maybe not in the ways that they intended, maybe not in ways that they thought were possible. But, but like you said before, just having that meeting and honestly listening and letting them vent and and share all that information, even if we would do nothing with it, was already yeah. beneficial. If they see that we're trying to solve things, you know, even, even better. Now, yeah, I mean, just channeling the conversation slightly, one of the challenges that facilities have many times is actually bringing on and attracting talent to begin with. And we know we have, we look at the master schedule and we have X number of open shifts on these days. And, you know, we put out the ads and it, it just, either we get, you know, someone who's working, we're looking for a nurse and we get a Dunkin' Donuts manager and we get all sorts of resumes that are completely either uncertified or they didn't even know that they applied. And I've done this myself, you know, print out 300 resumes and start sifting through them and trying to find someone that even sounds legal to fill the position. Forget about the right person, but someone that's even qualified or certified for the role. And it, it, it's a challenge having it all over the place. So let, let's talk a little bit about what a ploy does and how would they address this problem in a very real way? Mind sharing a little yeah. bit about that? And I imagine that, you know, in, in today's economy too, there's more and more of those unqualified resumes because more people are looking for jobs and they're they're unemployed. And so the employee platform is really unique and we've always been centered around healthcare and really want to meet the needs of, of healthcare and help healthcare hire more qualified staff and retain them. And so our our software helps facilities, nursing homes, SNFs are a majority of our clientele, post jobs onto various job boards. So very quickly at the click of a button, so you're not having to go to separate individual job boards. All of the applications come in through our platform and you could even set up pre-screening. You can set up pre-screening questions and you can auto archive those individuals that are not qualified right away so you don't even see them. 
Our platform also automatically verifies credentials. So it will tell you right away whether this individual has an active license or not. Yeah, yeah. So that saves, that's a huge time saver as well. And then you can do everything pretty much within the platform. And I still work clinically and I actually use Aploy as well for for the, my, my own clinical work also. And I'm constantly hiring. And in today's day and age, you know, you need to be quick and you need to be streamlined. And, you know, there's been many a times before Aploy that by the time I got that offer letter out to the the candidate, they had already accepted another position, right? So really, Aploy helps reduce the time to hire. You can not only post through Aploy, you can you know, do all your interview, your shortlisting, everything through Aploy. You can credential your healthcare candidates through Aploy. And then eventually, once you hire them, you can send your onboarding package digitally, electronically, have them fill it out. And then we provide a team management component, a product where you can manage your existing teams through Aploy and ensure that they're their licenses are maintained and active, receive reminders when they're about to expire and lapse. You can collect all of their vaccination information in there. So everything's kind of in in one place, which is really which is really great and seamless and so facilities have really enjoyed that and it's really helped streamline a lot of their processes and make things a lot more efficient on the back end and also for the candidate right it's a really nice experience where they don't have to complete multiple documents everything's online the paper shuffle is pretty much gone right so it's an end-to-end system for talent management recruitment onboarding and and team management wow wow so i mean that pain point you mentioned before, it's very real and very frustrating for the hiring manager when you finally go through all those resumes and you call them down and you have the receptionist or whoever it is that's scheduling the interviews and you have the interview and this, you know the person makes it to the top and you figure out how much you're going to pay them. You check the licenses. It's all set to go and you call them out. They're working down the block already. Why? Yeah. And, they, yeah. and, and not only that, they say, I wish you, some, this is the worst. This is like stick the knife <laughs> in and twist it. I really wanted yeah. to work for you. And I, you know, just yesterday I said, I just can't wait anymore. I was waiting. I was, I was embarrassed. I was scared to call. And in the meantime, oh, we wish you would have called. But you know what? You know, you, you snooze, you lose. So it, and it's also going back to, I think right now, like as healthcare organizations, we really need to up our game and really need to become stronger and more organized and more efficient if we want the best talent, right? Like I said before, nurses gravi- are gravitating right now towards organizations that have their, I don't know if I could say this, but they have their shit together, right? Like they don't want, they, they're, they're in a state of chaos right now nurses are and they want to work for organizations that you know they really can can be proud of working at they really feel valued they really feel like they're organized it's a well-oiled machine right and so how do we clean up some of our processes so that not only we can create this safe space for nurses to come work out but also you know become more efficient in our processes and be quicker to hire so that we can we can hire those individuals that we're competing for. I mean, you know, there's, I think, 1.5 million CNAs in, in America right now. Half of them work in nursing homes. And we're going to need double that in the next five years, but we can't train them quickly enough. So, you know, another thing I want to put out there is for nursing homes that haven't recently explored developing their own in-house CNA training program, the opportunity is so ripe for you to do that right now, to convert 
new talent and create net new talent from individuals who have lost their jobs in retail, in service industries who might be good fits for working in in healthcare. Because, you know, I think over two thirds are looking for career changes right now. So how do we how do we tap into that pool of individuals and create these training programs for CNAs where they can come and work for us, perhaps in exchange for some minimum service requirement, you know, and that way you don't have to archive those individuals who are applying from Tim Hortons and other places. You can say, hey, we have a training program for you. Wow, that, that is awesome. And, and just to continue that point, you will, we will never be able to provide remote CNA services, remote nursing services, no matter what technology throws at us, nursing, nursing homes, uh, this type of healthcare has to be provided in person. Telehealth is not going to replace that ever. Telehealth cannot reposition uh, unless maybe robots, but that's not something that's happening today or tomorrow. And I don't know if, if that's even ever going to be a reality. But certainly, you know, telehealth became so prevalent and it's great and it has its use, but not for this. So, and like you said, it's the perfect storm. So many people, so many stores closed and shuttered up. So, so many companies laid off entry-level positions or many positions, but even entry-level positions. And, and like you said, that's genius. You know, instead of being frustrated like I was when we get the resumes from people, these are people who are looking for a job. They're, they are actually looking for a job. They may not realize sometimes, a ploy I'm sure is different. But when I did other companies, which we'll leave nameless for now, and you know, put on their job boards. I don't know if they really clicked on my ad or if it was just sent there or whatever. But at the end of the day, you have someone here who's interested in talking to you and they're they're a responsible human being that can show up to work. You can you can train them. You can ignore those those individuals who are applying, right? And if you don't have an in-house program, how do you partner with, you know, a program down the street where you can say, hey, I have these candidates and I want to pay for their training, you know, and that's well worth it because they're going to commit to you for a year. Of course, after they've gone through an interview process and they're a good cultural fit, mm-hmm. you know, going back to how you were saying CNA jobs will never be remote. Yeah, they might not be remote, but here's a thought too. How do we equip our CNAs with the knowledge and tools to know how to use telehealth platforms? And how do we establish that as a differentiator in our facility to say, hey, telehealth companies, you can service our residents and our CNAs are trained on your technology to you know, bring our residents into your appointment. We have stations set up where we have, you know, how do we create that additional access and equip our CNAs with the knowledge to use telehealth platforms on behalf of our residents? I mean, this goes back to what you started off with in the beginning of the conversation with helping them chart their career. We want to make them (laughs) valuable nurses, the nursing family, like you said, for a career. And, the, you know, the technology that they're using, I'm not that old and I'm not doing this as long as you're doing this. But when I started, everything was on paper. And the biggest mm-hmm. thing was, we're not switching to computer. I don't have a computer at home. The only mouse I have is not the type that you like to have in nursing homes. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I'm never going to start typing in my notes. You're crazy. I've been writing. I know exactly how to do it. I'm doing this for 30 years. And, you know, most people learned how to do it. And those who didn't are out of jobs. They, if, you, mm-hmm. if they cannot innovate themselves and train themselves on the new technology, even if it's relatively simple technology, then they will become irrelevant. And this is, you know, right now it's maybe a luxury, it's not necessary, but equipping them with these types of skills and experience can can really be super powerful. 
I just see we went way over time, which is great because I think we we got <laughs> you just looked at the time for the first time because we we've really gone down and and really I think brought some of these issues out to the forefront. I think the overall message, if I can paraphrase and summarize our entire conversation, is that nurses. I, I used to resent the term HR. Like human resources, mm-hmm. but looking at people is, is like items. Like we have computers and cars and trucks, buildings and people that provide services and fill in blanks. And I know that's just a term and I don't know if it really means anything, but to the extent that we see our staff as tools to get a job done, it will continue to perpetuate the challenges that we're facing with turnover, with, you know, with re- retention, with having a hard time, you know, onboarding. But to the extent that we treat our human resources, we focus more on the H and less on the R, and we treat them as humans, humans who have their own story that you're only seeing a tiny snippet, if, if anything, of what they're doing while they're at work. And you, I'm not saying you have to get to know every single employee and know everything about them. They don't need to share everything. But to the extent that you understand who they are, their skills, their talents, their on a professional level, their professional ambitions, and they know that you know this, and they know that you're there to help them, and you start taking steps to help them with their career path, you can be that much more successful. The only thing you need to be super successful is also to use Apply. So, Preet, tell, tell us tell us how they can learn more about Apply, about the system, and if they want to take the next step, how can people learn more about this? For sure. So, go to Apply.com, www.apply.com. You'll see everything that we offer there. You can personally get in touch with me, too, if you want, and I can connect you with the appropriate person, or if you just want to chat, I'm happy to help in growing your people and culture program, I would call it, not human resources. And terminology does matter at the end of the day. So, if you don't do any anything else go back to your facility and change your hr department name to people and culture and explain um, to them why you're doing that yeah, i don't just do that so, but just lo- just employ might not be the easiest word to spell so employees oh. a p p l o i dot com correct Correct, correct. And you can reach me, P-R-I-T-M-A at employ.com. I'm happy to connect with you, happy to support in really streamlining and quickening your hiring workflow. You know, it's more important now than ever before for our facilities and our healthcare partners to be very, to be on the ball with their hiring because nurses are getting offers left, right and center. And we want to help you get the right nurses in those shifts, in those positions. So please, please be in touch. We'd be happy to help. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast. I really do appreciate that. Thank you for having me. This was great. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.